Oh, which sermon? I'm not sure. We'll do last week's, maybe. This is actually the last of the uh, sermons uh, in this series talking about uh, removing the mask uh, from from Christianity and uh, and looking uh, and as we look at everything that we've gone through so far, we've seen kind of a common thread uh, through most of these. Um, there have been mostly false choices. There have been mostly this this idea presented that that Christianity uh, has this thing that that it's either this way or it has to be that way. And what we see is there's either another option or that there's some kind of combination between two things. And uh, and we we also see throughout this, and it's going to be no different today, that that there are verses that almost look exactly opposite. Yeah, I say, how can can Christ say this thing here, and, and Paul says this thing over here, did they disagree? Or, or, or sometimes it's even Jesus said one thing here, and then in a chapter later he said a different thing. And uh, My goodness, what, what is the problem? Uh, th- that's not the way I want to read my scriptures. I want, I want it to be easy. Uh, and so and we've seen that as we peel back the layers, there's explanations, there's different situations, there's different circumstances, all sorts of different things. And our, our final message is going to take just a little bit of a turn. Um, we're still going to be looking at a couple verses that seem to be opposite. Um, and one side or the other might set up a false choice. Those are going to be similar. But it's not exactly like, a, like the others in, in the sense that we saw in most of them. There was kind of a combination of things uh, that, that maybe this side has it a little right and this side has it a little right. We need to put it together and figure out the, the right mixture. But um, sometimes the answer is in looking at definition of words. Sometimes we get hung up on semantics. You've had this happen in your house if you have kids and if your kids are doing chores. If not, you'll get there. Uh, Did you do the laundry? Yes. Why are there no underwear in my drawer? We, we run through that. Well, we have a person that likes a lot of fluorescent colors in our house. So that person, if it's their chore to make sure that the laundry gets done, that color tends to get washed a little bit more because they're going to make sure that their stuff is clean. I have this favorite shirt or whatever. Uh, so we have people that just take it off the top. So whatever just kind of fell through recently or whatever, you know, it's like, uh, or, or just, you know, or, or we might have this. I did it. This is where we get into definitions. I did the laundry. I go downstairs, and technically, yes, it's still in the washer. It's been cleaned. That doesn't help me. I did the laundry. I did the laundry. I I put it in the machine. I turned it on, put the soap in it, everything. Yeah, but it's not dry. That doesn't help me. It's, It's all in the definition of things. To do or not to do? Well, it all depends on what the definition of things is. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. And we've quoted this one. Oh, this is a favorite verse to quote. Matthew chapter 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. The end of the verse, right? The end of the topic. Judge not, be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Short sermon. I guess we all go home. Right, that, was, that was great. That was a nice little short story. 
a funny anecdote and a verse, and we can all go home because judge not, and you be not judged, and that's that. Except, um, there's this other verse here. It's always annoying. When you, when you thought you had your hand on it and just it was perfect, and, and then the Bible throws one of those friends that just gums up the works in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. Hmm. We've got to judge. There is some judgment that needs to happen. When is it appropriate to judge and when isn't? In fact, the Bible even talks about judging other people as a requirement. We're going to get there. There's obviously situations where it's appropriate and where it's not. And, and the, the differences in definitions and what the scriptures talk about. When? How? So, <clears throat> judgment is a legal process. So we're going to look at this in legal terms. We're going to phrase it as we look through the scriptures at judgment when it's required not to be done and when it's required to be done. And understand from the perspective of definitions why. Why this seemingly opposite command? And I understand this, this could be its own series. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm adding verses, I'm adding, I'm adding, I'm adding. This is going to be a long sermon. We'll try to... Uh, we're, we're not going to go... And you, it's such a deep topic that I'm going to mention something and you're going to think of this verse over here. Right? You're going to think of this, oh, he should have put that verse in there because it goes so perfect. Yes, I, we, we could be here. If you want to give up, we could be here till 2.30. That's fine. We can do that. But I don't think I'll be too popular. <clears throat> so we'll look first at harmful judgment, and we'll try to finish this on a positive note here. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 beginning. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 beginning. He says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you who are to judge for... Who judge, for in whatever you judge another in, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. We know that judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, that you who judge those who practice these, and yet you do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? And so the first is the double standard. We call this hypocrisy. And the Bible has a lot to say. And that, that's the first thing. And in fact, that's kind of what Matthew 7 is talking about. He says, judge not lest you be judged. Right? The, the same measure you use is going to be brought back to you. And that's called being human. Right? You know you've been in a situation where you've seen somebody. That it's, it, it's not uh, an official pronouncement. This is kind of, I think, just uh, a thing of... Human tendency. You know if you don't give a person a, a lot of room to make a mistake. When it's your turn, you know that they're just waiting. Right? Oh, they're waiting. Oh, you slipped up, see you there. Because right? so, you gave them a short leaf. And, and that's just a human tendency. 
You'll make excuses for people when they're the type of people that will work with you. And you kind of want to defend them. You want to give them room because you have felt it. Right? That's just the way things work. And so we get this double standard. Don't, don't, judgment is wrong specifically. The first reason, not the only. When it is hypocritical. We have to understand what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy doesn't mean that I I said, oh, Andrew said in his sermon that you shouldn't do this, and I caught him doing that. That, That's wrong. But that's not necessarily the definition of hypocrisy. The the definition of hypocrisy is when a person is not trying. They're making no attempt to do it. They're making no secret about it. They're, They're just, they don't care. That's what hypocrisy is. And that's what... Paul is, is talking about. That's what, that's what the Pharisees were criticized by Christ in doing. Was, was they made, Jesus said, you, you don't even lift a finger to do these things. You, you bind these on men's backs. You literally tie these two, figuratively, you figuratively tie these to people's backs, but you don't even lift a finger to even attempt this. That's hypocrisy. John chapter 12, we look at another legal problem with judgment. John chapter 12. Beginning in four, uh, verse 47. He says, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I'm not going to judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word which I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And this is a a specific type of judgment, which is the condemnation part of judgment. In the legal process, you go through all sorts of things that can be called judgment. And we're going to look at ones that are appropriate and ones that are inappropriate. First of all, the standard. We talked about the standard. Is it a double standard or is it a consistent standard? But also the type of judgment that is prohibited for us is the final verdict of a person. We are so ready to declare a person as unredeemable as whatever the fill in the blank is. I've heard a story, and I knew this story, and it was interesting to talk with with Harold Rushka, who knew Roy Ratcliffe, a man who baptized here in Wisconsin Jeffrey Dahmer into Christ. That's impressive. And a lot of people, I I read this story, there was actually a story in the New York Times about it. This kind of makes it weird to to know a person that knows, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, this is written about, and and I might actually be now in the circle of one of the, this, you know, having met people in Wisconsin and things like that. There was apparently a person in Milwaukee, I don't know, the, the article didn't say who it was, but that would accuse Roy Ratcliffe, do you know what this man has done? I don't know if I've ever met that person. It's kind of scary because I travel in similar circles. And um, it's like, I hope I haven't met that guy. 
that would accuse a brother. How dare you preach the gospel to this horrible person? That's, that's the condemnation side. That's the judgment that's prohibited. God deals with that. And whatever's happened to Jeffrey Dahmer, whether that was an authentic one, people want that so desperately. People want that to have been a, a, a prison conversion that's unauthentic. It, it, it just it helps them. <laughs> God will sort that out. I will let God sort that out. That's not mine. Christ himself says, I, I didn't come walking this earth to deliver Final pronouncements. I, I came to save. That was my job. He was the one that, that has the ability to do that. And he said, I know. That's not my purpose. It's a condemnation. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is a, a, a third prohibition on, on judgment. Verse 15 um, and 16. He says, You judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. However, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. I'm not alone. I am with the Father who sent me. It's kind of a weird statement. I don't judge. However, if I do, <laughs> I want to talk about the sin of extrapolation. He says, If I do, it's true. It, it's it's accurate in what I portray. And he tells why. He says, because it comes from God, directly. Jesus didn't do guesswork when he judged people. He could read their minds. He could hear what they were saying and thinking when he wasn't around them. <laughs> that would make me uncomfortable. You know, talk about your mother had an eye in the back of her head. Jesus had an eye in your head. Like, that's... That's, how did you know I was thinking that? Right? Um, the sin of extrapolation. Sometimes Christianity to me, it's like, it's like being an airplane cockpit. It's like I, I've got everything under control except for, and you look at all those massive buttons, like, ah. Right? There's all this stuff, and, and I can only imagine trying to fly one of those things. I, I, there's too many things. How do these people do this? I don't care if there's two of them. How in the world do they do this? It's, it's, it's going along fine, and it's like, oh no, the vacuum switch. I forgot the vacuum switch. Abort, abort. You know, I don't know. There's too many series of things, and how do you remember the order and all that? God's up there going, how did you forget the vacuum switch? Ah, I had the right side of the plane perfect. Yeah, but and that's the way Christianity feels to me. It sometimes it's, it's like I've got all this, and it feels like it's going good, and then uh, it gets out of control over here. I observe it in myself. It, it looks like I observe this in other people, and nowhere is that ever more obvious than on the wonderful. World Wide Web. I thought about saying what I'm about to say specifically. 
However, if I were to say this, I would get a lot of questions afterwards. So I'll try to be general. In this wonderful political season, with friends of multiple backgrounds across this country, I have heard two opposing presidential candidates convicted of the same sin. If I used this word in a sentence, I would field lots of questions from parents whose children are eight years old and under about how and why they have to define this new word for their kids. So I won't use that word in a sentence here. If you really want to know, you can ask me afterwards. That's extrapolation because one cannot make those accusations. Extrapolation is using an act to identify a behavior. It's the difference, for example, between telling a lie and being called a liar. And do you understand the difference between that? I've told a lie. I don't think of myself as a liar, a person who has a pattern of behavior in that area, right? Or, or using one act to convict a person of a separate act that you might think is connected. That's extrapolation. Or the ultimate is to judge the character of a person based on an act. Here is a bad thing equals that person is evil. You made a jump there. God says that's not yours to deal with. Christ says I don't even do that. If I did, it would be true because I have access to information that you don't. Well, you did that because you hate me. Woo! You extrapolated that. You don't know that to be true. You don't have the right to look into my heart. Another one, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Three and four. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who does eat. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? Right? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You have a group of servants and another man has a group of servants. You don't get to fire another guy's servant. <laughs> That's his employee. Let him deal with his own employees. God says, I got servants. And they don't belong to you. And I get to fire them. I get to accuse them. I get to call them into account. That's not your job. Talk about the... Sin of entrapment. 
God has given us all the requirements they need, and they're right in here. It's nice. Very conveniently located. And he even did us a favor because the New Testament is so much shorter than the Old Testament. You can breeze right through it. It's nice like that. And usually for good motives. I say this, it's usually for good motives, but we add some precautionary requirements and rules. And God says, don't do that. That gets people in trouble when we add precautionary restrictions on people. Or requirements. It might not be a a restriction. It might be just a necessary extra step that you have to do. Something you, you have to do this. But even when they come from a good motive, these new policies end up being used as entrapment. And that was kind of the problem in the, in the New Testament. Jesus said, you guys make void the law from, because, of your, because of all of your traditions of your elders. In other words, these, these were traditions developed to help people keep the law. That was what, the, what they called the Talmud. And it was all these collections of, of, of the rabbis over, you know, it would be like what we call court precedents. And, and they developed all the court precedents to the point where, like, their original constitution didn't make any difference to them. That's kind of, sound familiar? Um, that was what was going on when Jesus was talking to them. It's like, because of your Talmud, the Torah has no purpose. <laughs> That it's like you're violating the law because of a thing you've added. To help you, maybe originally it was to help keep the law, and you so focused on this one. So we entrap people. One group says you're supposed to be living a more restricted lifestyle than you are. And so it's easy to start identifying that group of people that they disagree with as less virtuous. On the other hand, is the group of people that adds requirements. You're supposed to be doing this. And they, like, they, they, might, they might like the freedom style. You're supposed to be free now to do this thing. And that group can look at the other group and say, you're not mature. You're still living all these restrictions. You're supposed to be free now. And you're supposed to be doing this, and we're doing this, and, and you're not. Why aren't you? You, not, you must not be mature. And God says, they're my servants. Leave them alone. If they want to choose to not practice something out of devotion to me, they get to do so. That's... That's theirs. I have no right to judge them and say, well, you're not mature. At the same time, God says, they are free, uh, and um, you're not supposed to add restrictions where a person can read the scriptures and say, that's not a restriction. It's not in here anywhere. You might have developed this restriction from a, a, a standpoint of, of genuine worship for God, and that's good for your personal expression, but it doesn't apply 
as a requirement. And somehow we together, because we're all on this different spectrum, uh, because of our characters, because of the way and places and locations and backgrounds where we've been raised, all on this spectrum, and we've got to figure out how to get together and not judge. And let people be who and how within this, within these parameters, how we want to reflect on our relationship between us and God. And finally, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and also a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the nice clothes, and you say, sit here in this wonderful place. Or sit here, right, right next, to me, next to me. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I always wondered about the connection here. Judge, how do you become a judge with evil thoughts? It's called partiality. Prejudice. Prejudice. Judice is a, the root of that is, has to do with judgment and justice. How we value people. We, we often try to estimate the value of people. If you get talking in business, one of the questions that's going to come up, how much are you worth? And what's the answer? How much he has in the bank account? Right? It's a superficial thing. It's attaching the value of a person to what they own. And we just we're going through Job. Boy, Job went from being a very valuable person to not being a very valuable person in just moments. What changed about Job? Nothing, just what he owned. And so we get these, these superficial judgments of people. How much do they contribute to the body of Christ? Not just financially, but this person might be more talented. Or we might look at even things more superficial like appearance. How nice they dress. All these factors are superficial. They're judgments. And God says, this is why it's dangerous to judge. With the same judgment you judge, it's going to be given back to you. All of these things, we can talk about entrapment and prejudice, all these things will come back to you. So let's end on a good note. I want to talk just about a few beneficial judgments. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Maybe it won't seem beneficial, but this is on the positive side of things, more or less. First Corinthians 5. We're not going to read this in order. I'm going to look at one verse, and then we're going to kind of back up. Uh, verse 12, beginning. Uh, he says, What do I have to do with judging those who are on the outside? Talking about non-Christians. 
Aren't you supposed to judge those who are on the inside? Wait a minute. No, we're not supposed to judge anybody. No, Paul just said, you're supposed to judge people on the inside. Not the inside of the person, but on the inside of the church. Other Christians. Those who are on the outside, God will judge. <laughs> Paul, you, I, was, I thought I had it under control, then Paul just kind of threw that one in there. Well, we need the context. And uh, we need to understand what's going on in this chapter. Unpleasant things. More things that I don't want to define for you are, are going on in this chapter. So you can read that on your own. Uh, so verse 5. Um, kind of gives us what's going on. Deliver such a person who is doing the things that I'm not going to say this morning. To Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Not the destruction of the person. Not the final verdict of their soul. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And so therefore purge out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. There are two purposes for this type of judgment, and they're both beneficial. He deals with them in order. First of all, this person doing this thing is in spiritual danger. And you need to do this unpleasant thing, this specific type of judgment, for discipline. Some judgment is a discipline. And the second purpose he lists also is for preserving the purity of the church. You have a virus in your church, he says. You need to deal with that. You need to quarantine this guy. Then, when he's done and he's taken the, the, all the the medicines and everything else that he's got coming to him, and we, we deal with all that, he can be allowed back in. That's the point of this. Second Corinthians, by the way, is written because the guy was fixed, and they weren't letting him back in. He's still in quarantine. Like, well, what are you doing? Forgive him, and let him back in. That's, the, the, that's one of the underlying causes of Second Corinthians. He had the right... This is the irony of this church. They didn't want to discipline the person. Then when Paul gets on their case and they finally do it, then they just don't give up. They're on this. This is like the the church that goes this way. And they're on this path. And you've got to steer them over here. Okay, now we're going this way. So discipline is, is necessary. Luke chapter 12 gives us another important type of judgment. Again, none of this is hypocritical. None of these violate that first group of things. Luke chapter 12. Verse 57, he says, Yes, and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? When you go in with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him. Or else he's going to drag you to the judge. 
The judge delivers you over to the officer. The officer throws you into prison. So I tell you, you shall not leave there until you've paid every penny. Resolution is a good type of judgment. So in this case, judgment was done between people, not against people. Important word there. It's people and people. When I went to uh, Bible college, I used to say that all the time, and my translator in Ukraine would always laugh, uh, just because I, I use so many illustrations from, from those years. But our group was kind of a... It, it's not that we were a great group, but uh, we were at least self-policing. We had plenty of disputes, uh, plenty, plenty of problems, but we were kind of self-policing. We, we kind of hashed it out on our own. Uh, I would go back and visit after, because I still had some friends who were there afterwards, and that group was like their second dormitory was the administrator's office. They were constantly having to have the administrator set them down and fix their disputes. But that's the difference. That's all he's saying here. If you would judge yourselves, figure it out yourselves on your way before you get to the official judges, do that, it's better for you. In order to resolve things, judgments have to be made. We have to figure out where things started and who did what. And that those are judgments, but they're not judgments. Again, these don't violate that first group. They don't say, oh, this person, you're, you're this, and you did that, and this whole reason is because you hate me, or you, you don't like, or you like that. And we get into all the judgments of a person's soul. And you're just a bad person. Whoa. So keep that out of it. If we want to resolve things, we've got to start assigning where things started. I avoid the word blame because we loved it, and then that gets things. But we have to assign what things caused what. This is the case that they're going through. They're on their way. We have to figure this out. Can we resolve this? And so there are resolutions. And we have to do this while being cautious not to violate those first group of restrictions. And the last one is Matthew chapter 7. Huh? Look at that. We get back to Matthew chapter 7. All the way back to where we started. Because Matthew chapter 7 had a lot more to say about judgment than verse 1 and 2. No, not, it just, in one, not just in one sermon, but in the same part of the sermon. Verse 15 Beware of false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits you will know them. There's a type of judgment that's called analysis. Now God, it's important to notice in here who's cutting down and doing the destroying and the judging at the end. That's God's, not mine. My job is just to identify fruit. I'm just a fruit identifier. I'm not interested in looking inside the tree and figuring out what the tree is and what. I'm just here for the fruit. 
Let's go. So in the same chapter where he said, don't judge, he says, judge. Because it's all in the definitions of words. It's all in, in, in how and, and what's the purpose. And we get back to the same thing. It had to do with preserving the integrity of God's people. Use your observation. It's limited to the external. It, it, he says, oh, no, you're going to have to use the external things, the superficial, if you want to use that phrase. But we're just not making the extrapolation to the inside. God will do that. You just need to make sure that the bad fruit isn't among you. And so long as we avoid these official pronouncements on people's souls and their eternal predictions, this type of judgment can be beneficial. It's just just not in making that next step. I want to conclude with a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's writing here to a young preacher. He's just giving him sage advice. I mean, it's spiritual advice. It's inspired advice. But it's it's stuff that this young preacher, I don't know how old he was. I know he was young. I always kind of picture Timothy probably younger than he actually was. But uh, chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, bidding to marry and command to abstain from, all, from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. And I think I'm in the wrong chapter. Just a second. I do this frequently. Just a hunch. Second, Timothy. Let's try this again. That was a great verse. Not the one I wanted. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's actually connected to the to the first uh, to the first thing. And both both chapters or both um, both texts are, are this advice to, to to Timothy specifically as a preacher. But he gives Timothy some tools. Among them is this word convince. It means to convict. <laughs> it's a part of judgment, rebuking, exhorting. Um, Christ's purpose is the salvation of souls. And that's where we started out at. It, it may mean a person who's never responded to the gospel or a person who's partially responded. It could be a person who was a Christian a long time ago and has kind of left it for some time. Uh, there's people in all sorts of, of, of areas and we kind of have to gauge that. I have to know where they're at. That means I have to make some judgments. I have to do some analysis. And judgment is necessary. If, if I'm going to preach the gospel to someone and try to save their souls, I have to make a, kind of a judgment on where they're at in life, don't I? 
And that's kind of a necessary thing. But again, I don't do so with the idea that they can't be saved. Or That's all God's. It's not mine. And it's obvious as we look through this, what type of conclusions are harmful? What type do damage? And God's role is the judgment at the end. Look at our words as we talk about convicting. Our words for prison. We call them what? Correctional facilities? A reformatory? My favorite, a penitentiary. You ever think about that word? Penitentiary. That's where you become penitent. <laughs> That's the hope. That's the hope. To God's mission to, to accomplish that, I have to make a determination about where people are as best as I can to, to figure out how to address their need. Like a doctor. Not like a judge, but like a doctor. I have to kind of determine what the sickness is. It's not really in what I'm doing it, but it's in why and in how I'm doing it. And that's really the difference. It, that's the difference in the definitions. And so as we close, my actions are going to show whether I have properly understood my role. So I challenge you to look at the interactions you have with people and, and to uh, maybe you've felt it on the, the negative side of things. And you know how it feels when you do it, right? And this is that the reverse side of what Jesus starts out talking about. He says, don't do this to others, for they will do it to you. Or maybe we need to just kind of rephrase that. Don't, don't do this to others because you, you know how it feels when it's done to you. And that's my challenge for you uh, this week.